me, we're going to start a new series today on the book of Jonah. So we're going to turn to Jonah chapter 1, Jonah chapter 1, starting in verse 1. Jonah 1, starting in verse 1, says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for all their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare, and he went aboard to go with him to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. So friends, what happens? You know what happens when you come face to face with the real God, with the true God, and he's not as you want him to be? You know, we've all constructed an idea of God and what he's like in our head. At least we've constructed an idea of God as we want him to be. And some of those ideas have basis in preference and personality and culture and consensus, and sometimes even in the scripture. You know, but what happens when you come face to face with the true God, the real God, when you hear his word and when you come to understand his ways and you find that the God you constructed in your mind, the image of God, the picture of him, is not the true God. What happens when you come face to face with the true God and you find that he's not the God that you wanted him to be? Because that's the question confronting this prophet, Jonah, today. You see, Jonah heard God, we find at the beginning of the book of Jonah, but Jonah immediately discovered he heard God and God was not as he wanted him to be. Verse 1 begins and it says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai. Now, Jonah was a prophet who was already known to the people. We actually are introduced to him back in the historical book of 2 Kings. In 2 Kings chapter 14, verse 25, it tells us, Jonah prophesied during the reign of Jeroboam, the king of Israel. Israel. And it says, Jeroboam restored the border of Israel from Lebo Hamath as far as the Sea of the Arabah, according to the word of the Lord, the God of Israel, which he spoke by his servant Jonah, the son of Amittai the prophet, who was from Gath Heifer. So he was a known prophet. The Lord had spoken through him before. But a new commission comes to Jonah. The word of the Lord comes, and Jonah finds himself face to face with the Lord. It says the word of the Lord came to Jonah. Friends, we're reminded also here that the Lord speaks. That the Lord speaks. And if you're following God, you should be expecting to have the Lord speak. You know, it might not be an audible voice. However, we know that the Lord has spoken, and he does speak most clearly through his word, the Bible. It's living and active, and God regularly speaks through it to his people today. And so any of us, Jonah or anyone here, if you are a follower of Jesus, you should be regularly hearing God speak to you. And if you're not, you might ask the question, am I listening? You know, sometimes we neglect God's voice and then we complain that God no longer speaks today. You know, sometimes we neglect God's words and then we complain that we never hear him. But we find the word of the Lord came to Jonah. And friends, the word of the Lord wants to come to you too. The question for us is, are you listening? You see, Jonah was at least in a place where somehow he was listening and he heard the word of the Lord to him, which is so good so far. But then God said something that Jonah didn't want to hear. In verse 2 it says, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. Now the Lord had spoken 
oracles to and about pagan nations through the prophets Jeremiah, Isaiah, and Amos. But the shocking part of this command to Jonah today was, go. Go. Because this was the first time that a Hebrew prophet was called to leave Israel and go to a Gentile city. All the other prophets to that point had been sent only to God's people. So the call to go would have been a shocking call. And even more shocking would have been where God was calling him to go. He said, go to Nineveh. Nineveh was the capital of the Assyrian Empire. It was a place that was actually known for its cruelty and its violence. We have historical documents, records, kept by the kings of Assyria, how they would torture and brutally maim and then execute their enemies. The Assyrians have been called by some historians a terrorist state. This was a horrible place, and Nineveh was the capital. In fact, years after Jonah prophesied, the Lord spoke again through a prophet named Nahum, and we have that book in, our, in the Old Testament. And it was a prophecy to the city of Nineveh. And so years after Jonah, we find in Nahum chapter 3, verses 1 through 4, this description. Woe to the city of blood, full of lies, full of plunder, never without victims. The crack of whips, the clatter of wheels, galloping horses and jolting chariots, charging cavalry, flashing swords and glittering spears, many casualties, piles of dead, bodies without number, people stumbling over the corpses, all because of the wanton lust of a prostitute, alluring the mistress of sorceries who enslaved the nations by her prostitution and the peoples by her witchcraft. You know, that is not going to play well on the travel brochures. The Chamber of Commerce in Nineveh really needs to get their game together. City of blood, never without victims, people stumbling over corpses. Nineveh and Assyria were known for their evil. They were known for their violence. And God says, hey, Jonah, go to Nineveh. Go to Nineveh. And what's the message? Verse 2, call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. You know, friends, we're reminded God is not neutral towards evil. You know, evil distorts God's good creation order. Evil destroys lives and livelihoods. Evil separates us from God himself. And so for God to remain neutral towards evil would be for God to be evil. Because evil, you cannot be neutral towards evil. God is not neutral towards evil because God is just. He can't just turn a blind eye to injustice and wickedness and oppression. And he will not forever withhold judgment. So the Lord calls Jonah and he says, go warn those people in the city of Nineveh that I'm just and I cannot forever withhold judgment on evil. So judgment on evil is coming. And this seems exactly like the type of message you'd expect the prophet of the Lord to be given and commissioned to deliver. But what was Jonah's response? Jonah's response is in verse 3. Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish. From the presence of the Lord, he went down to Joppa, found a ship going to Tarshish, paid the fare, went down into it to go with it to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. Jonah went the opposite direction. You see, Tarshish was the other side of the known world. It was the opposite direction from Nineveh. 
twice the verse tells us exactly what Jonah planned to do. Twice in verse 3 it says he was trying to flee from the presence of the Lord. Because you see, the Lord has clearly spoken. He commissioned Jonah with the exact type of message you'd expect a prophet to be delivered. However, rather than obeying the voice of the Lord, Jonah tries to flee from the presence of the Lord. Why? Because Jonah has come face to face with the true God. And it's not God as he wants him to be. This is not who he wants God to be. This is not how he wants God to act. And friends, this is our biggest problem when it comes to God. As French philosopher Voltaire famously said, in the beginning God created man in his own image, and man has been trying to repay the favor ever since. As humans, we flee from the true God, and we're always striving to recreate God into a more palatable image, into our own image. You know, this is the reason for commandments two and three of the Ten Commandments. The second commandment says you shall not make for yourself a carved image. It tells us that God is self-defining. You don't get to shape and fashion Him into an image that's pleasing and acceptable to you. You don't get to make God into your own image. And while today, you and I are not whittling gods out of stone or, or wood or making them out of metal, we certainly try to fashion an image of God out of words and ideas, don't we? My God is not like this. My God would never do that. My God's not so old-fashioned. My God's not so judgmental. And we subtly and not so subtly are trying to fashion God into our own image, or at least an image that's pleasing and acceptable to us or to our culture. But you shall not make for yourself a carved image. And the third commandment is similar. It says, you shall not take the Lord your God in vain. And a lot of people think, well, this means we shouldn't use God's name as a swear, which is good. That's, that's a good start. But don't stop that. Because God's word, or God's name, we need to make sure not to use it in vain because God speaks for himself. You know, how often have you seen another follower of Jesus do or say something that seems dubious? And when you ask, well, how do you justify believing that or doing this, considering this Bible passage or this teaching or those commands, and your friend responds and goes, well, I prayed about it, and God gave me peace. Or, Or it just feels right. And if it was wrong, I think God would have convicted me about it. Or best of all, they they pull what's really the trump card. I call it the God card. Well, God told me. You see, that is taking the name of the Lord in vain. You're attaching God's name and God's approval to some belief or activity that's not actually from God. God retains the right to speak for himself. Do not use the name of the Lord in vain. Do not attach God's name or his approval to some belief or activity that's not actually from God himself. Verse 3, God tells Jonah, he went down to Joppa, he found a ship going to Tarshish. Now think about this. Jonah couldn't book passage ahead of time. He didn't know this was coming. He had no idea, no guarantee what ships would be ready in port to set sail. So when Jonah arrived in Joppa, and it just so happened there was a ship going to Tarshish, you think he thought, ah, confirmation. If God really didn't want me to go to Tarshish, he wouldn't have allowed a ship to so conveniently be here, ready to set sail. 
This must be a sign from God. I mean, how many times do we do stuff just like that? How many times do we justify, do we put God's name, we use it in vain, we put God's name on circumstance, or we put God's name on feeling, or we put God's name on whatever we want to justify our sinful behavior. God gave me peace about it. What are the chances it would have happened like this if God didn't arrange it? Or God could have prevented it, but he didn't. And we take the name of the Lord in vain, fashioning God into our own image. But here, but here at the beginning of the book of Jonah, the prophet comes face to face with the true God, not the God as Jonah wants him to be, but God as he truly is. It's not the God of Jonah's creation or or his own desire. This is the true, self-defining, self-speaking God. This is not a God who just blesses all of our desires and our proclivities, who baptizes all of our prejudices, and who condones all of our actions. This is the true God whose ways are higher than our ways, whose will is not our will, and whose commands are countercultural. See, Jonah comes face to face with the God, not of his desires, not of creation, not, not of our creation, not of this cultural moment. He comes face to face with the true God, and face to face with that God, he realizes God is not how he wants him to be. And what's his response? He runs. He fled from the presence of the Lord. And friends, so do we. So do we. Some of us, like Jonah, will flee into disobedience. Like Jonah, we we know what the Lord's commanded, but we just don't want to do it. So what do we do? We run the other way. We choose to do what we want rather than what the Lord wants. Friends, understand that while you can flee, While you can't flee from the Lord's commands, it's impossible to flee from the presence of the Lord. Our disobedience cannot be hidden. Our responsibility cannot be avoided. Moreover, understand that while you can flee the Lord's commands, you can never flee the consequences of disobedience. Disobedience will always cost you. Did you notice that in verse 3 it says, Jonah went down to Joppa, found a ship going to Tarshish, and paid the fare and went down onto it? See, Jonah paid the fare of his disobedience. And so will you. Disobedience is always more costly than you think it will be. You know, I have witnessed disobedience to God's commands have cost a person her marriage, or his career, or her integrity, or his children, or her freedom, or his life savings, or her reputation, or his dignity, or her relationship with God. When we flee God's commands, there's always a price to pay. And friends, I promise you, it's more than you thought, and it's more than you wanted to pay. Disobedience will cost you. And and along with disobedience, some have fled into denial. You know, we read what the Bible clearly says about God and what he's designed and commanded, but we don't want that to be true. And so we flee into denial and we suppress the truth that we don't want to be true. Romans chapter 1, verse 18 says, The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Because you see, friends, we're actually powerless to change the truth. We are powerless to change the truth. We can't change the truth about God. We can't change the truth about ourselves. We can't change the truth about this world. We can only deny it and suppress the truth. 
And that's exactly what we've done and exactly what our culture is trying to do. We cannot change the truth about the existence of God, about who he is, about the nature of humanity, about the nature of human sexuality, about the existence of absolute and objective truth itself. We can only deny and suppress and flee from the truth. We can dress it up, we can cover it up, but we cannot escape it. We cannot change the truth. And friends, we might try to flee from the truth, but like Jonah, we're going to find we can never flee from the presence of the Lord. So friends, when you come face to face with the true God, how will you respond? How have you responded? How have I responded? You see, the bad news is that every one of us, every one of us listening, whether here or online, is guilty of fleeing from the true God by disobedience and denial. Every one of us. Romans chapter 3 The Apostle Paul is quoting Psalm 14 when he says, As it's written, none is righteous, not one. No one understands, no one seeks God. All have turned aside, together they become worthless. No one does good, not even one. None seeks after God. All have turned aside and fled from his presence. All have fled in denial or disobedience. And like Jonah, we're still trying to flee from the presence of God. But friends, the gospel, the good news is that God pursues us. We're going to see through this little book of Jonah, God is pursuing not only the Ninevites, God is going to pursue his prophet Jonah as he flees from him. And the gospel, the good news is that God pursues us. Because the prophet Jonah, like us, is disobedient and he flees from the Lord. But the good news that we find in this book and that we'll find is that God is merciful and he does not give up on Jonah. He does not judge Jonah, though he deserves it. God pursues Jonah. And friends, this is the gospel. This is the good news. God mercifully and lovingly pursues disobedient, denying people with his love. Because the truth is, all of us here are Jonah. We are all fleeing from the Lord. And as the Lord has said through the prophet Isaiah, chapter 53, verse 6, we all, like sheep, have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. His own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Friends, the good news, the gospel, is that God has sent Jesus looking for our fleeing, strange sheep. The Lord has laid on Jesus the price of our fleeing. The price had to be paid for our wandering, the punishment for our iniquity and sinful disobedience and denial. And because of what Christ has done, now we can return. Our flight from God can stop, our estrangement might end, and you and I can return to the presence of God. It's as the Apostle Peter wrote in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 24 through 25. Jesus himself bore our sins on his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you've been healed. For you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your soul. Friends, the price to be paid for our disobedient flight is far greater than we thought it was, and it's far greater than we can pay. But Jesus has paid that debt and we can no longer flee but return. And the question is, will you? Because the gospel, the good news, is the message of the meal that we're about to share together. We're going to share together communion. It's a table of welcome. 
and though we've all been disobedient and fled the presence of God, though we've denied God and suppressed his truth, Jesus has paid the price of our wandering, he's taken the punishment of our disobedience, and he's revealed the truth that we worked so hard to deny. And if you've never trusted Jesus Christ, stop fleeing the truth. Stop disobeying and denying. For Jesus Christ has come that you might enter into the presence of the Lord, that you might sit at his table with him and feast on forgiveness at his table. And for those of us who have confessed Jesus as Savior and Lord, the account of Jonah and this meal invites us to examine ourselves again. How have you been fleeing God's presence? Are there ways you've been living in disobedience? Are there ways you've been living in denial? And friends, the table, the communion table, is an invitation. An invitation to return and to come face to face, not with the God of your own creation, because that God doesn't actually exist and is powerless to save, but to come face to face with the true and the terrifying God, mighty to save and abundant in love. The God who's pursuing the Ninevites is the God who pursued Jonah, is the God who is now pursuing you. And the question for us is, will you stop running? And will you turn to him today? Let's pray together. Lord, thank you. Thank you for the mercy you showed to Jonah. Because that was anticipating the mercy that you were going to show to us in Jesus Christ. So that we who disobey, so that we who deny, so that we who flee might be brought home. We might be forgiven. For you paid the price of our disobedience and our flight. That we might come to your table. And that we might be with you now and forevermore. So, Lord, as we come to your table now, I pray that you would fill us with gratefulness, with celebration, with praise, and with thanks. For you are the merciful God, mighty to save, abundant in love. And you invite us now to come. And so, Lord, we do come, not by our own goodness, but by the grace and the mercy poured out by Jesus Christ our Lord. In whose name we now pray. Amen. Amen.